stroopwafels, pancakes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and how to swear like a Dutch person. This week, we're back in Amsterdam. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast and website for foodies. On this show, we visit the great foodie cities around the world and sample the best dishes and drinks they have to offer. And this week, it's more of Amsterdam. And by the way, if you've been enjoying the show, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform, be it Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Podbean, wherever it is you get your podcasts, I'd really appreciate the review. Thanks. Taish is the owner of Amsterdam Food Tours, a food tour company that takes visitors to enjoy the best Amsterdam has to offer. Last week, Taish and I talked about what makes Amsterdam special, the Ordan neighborhood, Amsterdam's markets, and the craft beer scene. And then we ran out of time. So this week, Taish is back, and we get into some great Dutch dishes like Stampot and a Brazilian treat with a Dutch twist. Brigadero. We also eat pancakes on board a boat and find the best cheese in the Netherlands. Plus, we talk about marijuana in Amsterdam and how the Dutch deal with soft drugs like pot. It's incredibly enlightening, and I'm sure you'll find it fascinating just like I did. Okay, I'm starving, so let's eat. Destination Eat Drink. Taish, welcome back to Destination Eat Drink. We talked to you last week about your tour company, Amsterdam Food Tours, and we got sidetracked talking about uh, Yeniver and brown bars yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> and now we need to talk about actual dishes and actual food that we would enjoy when we're in Amsterdam. And the, the first thing that I'd, well, first of all, welcome back. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here on your show again, Brent. Uh, what I'd like to talk about first is something called uh, Stroopwafel, because a friend of mine, when I lived in Austin, Texas, uh, a strange place to get Stroopwafel, but she was from Rotterdam, okay. <laughs> and she started a little yeah. Stroopwafel company. And at the farmer's market, she yeah. would make fresh, hot Stroopwafels, and... Yeah. This is where I fell in love with them with a cup of coffee. Um, I would, I, 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 I yeah. was a gelato maker, so I would put a scoop of gelato on top of the ah. stroopwafel. It was really nice. Beautiful. But anyway, um, talk to me about stroopwafels a little bit. First of all, describe what they are, because I know what they are, but describe for our audience yes. who might not know, okay. what is a stroopwafel? Yeah. What is a stroopwafel? Okay. So a stroopwafel is it, 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 a cookie, obviously, um, and it uh, has two main components, and that is the dough uh, and a caramel uh, syrup that comes with it. And actually, it's, so it's two cookies, and in between is the syrup. Um, a specific flavor is cinnamon. Uh, Dutch food has a lot of uh, spice flavors, and it has to do with our colonial history and our spice trade for hundreds of years. And uh, how it's made is just a dough, uh, flour and water and butter and cinnamon, uh, a bit of yeast, um, and then they make a ball out of it, and that is uh, goes in the uh, sure what is the English word a pressure grill for two minutes, and they are taking out, and they have become a little bit fluffy, like a shawarma bread, you can imagine, 
and then slice open, and then next to it, you have a, a, a pan with hot uh, caramel mixture of, of butter and sugar, uh, and that goes in between the two slices, and it's closed, and then you enjoy it. Uh, but you have to be careful not to burn your tongue, obviously, because it's a rather hot. Um, so that's a stovebowl, if you have the good one. They're so good hot too, right out of that little <laughs> press <laughs> because yes. they're they're crispy yes, 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 and they're yes, caramelly and, and they're smell. sweet, and then yeah. they've got the spice in there. Oh, so good! It, it, it's just a, a very uh, small piece of Christmas <laughs> uh, <laughs> enjoyment to give to you. I, I would assume that when we go to Amsterdam, we get these at uh, just regular bakeries. Uh, do they make them fresh for you, or do you get them prepackaged? How, how do they come normally? Yeah, there, so there is a trick because, uh, you know, you'll see them everywhere. Uh, even Starbucks has them on the menu right now, I believe, worldwide. Uh, and of course you want to have the best one. So, uh, you have to be, the best thing is you can source them at a local bakery where the locals go. Um, and you have to check because the, the good quality, uh, Stropov is made with, uh, real butter. And if you have the more touristy ones, the cheaper ones, they use margarine, which is uh, you know inexpensive, obviously. But the real butter that gives you this real comfortable, good uh, flavor to it. Uh, and second to that, yeah, go to the markets. And uh, for example, the market in the Jordan I talked about uh, last week on Saturday, they have a stall where they make fantastic uh, throw valves as you go. You can see them how to make it, and that's uh, that's a real a real joy. Uh, the last uh, tip, if you have them, you know, pre-packet and you have them at your home, it's nice to eat them a little bit warm. So do it the Dutch, take a cup of coffee, cup of tea, and put them on top of it, leave them for a bit, and, uh, well, they are ready to go. Maybe slightly related to a Stroopwafel, because it's round and it's flat, is the uh, Dutch pancake called the Pannenkoeken. Yeah. Um, Panacook. <laughs> Panacook, is that how you say it? Panacook? Panacook. Okay. There's a size that is very funny, but the Dutch, we swear in terms of food, it's very funny. So for sure in Amsterdam, if somebody's a little bit of a dumb person, you just shout, Panacook, pancake, <laughs> or you can say, forfeiture, or, uh, <laughs> or uh, you're a soft-boiled egg, or you're a cookie baker, so uh, yeah, we have a nice way of swearing. This, this, is, this seems very Dutch to me, because it's, it's almost polite calling someone an idiot, <laughs> calling them a pancake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's another side to it. So we can also swear in terrible diseases, but we'll, 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 okay. we'll stay away Let, from that. Let's one. keep it. Let's, <laughs> let's call people pancakes. I, I, like, I like this yes, idea. Yeah. So um, <laughs> are, are these uh, Dutch pancakes, Panacoke, are they strictly for breakfast? Because we would only have pancakes for breakfast in the United States. No, any time of the day. And that's the great thing about Dutch food, apple pie, Pancakes, throwballs, you just eat them when you feel like it. It's comfort food. So it, it, it's, you know, you see it and you want it, you smell it and you want it. So, uh, with my family, for example, pancakes could be really well for dinner, for example, just a big pile of pancakes or for lunch or, you know, like 11 o'clock in the morning or maybe breakfast. Uh, <laughs> no, so there, there's always a time for a, for a pan of food. Are there certain restaurants that are, uh, specialize in Panacoke, or would this just be we could go anywhere, maybe a street food place and get Panacoke? How, how would we get Panacoke uh, in general in Amsterdam? Okay, here's the odd thing about a Dutch. We like to eat Panacoke on a boat. Oh, 
Uh, cool. For some reason, there are many uh, uh boat restaurants. <laughs> uh, oh, I love uh, it. No idea why. No idea why. But there is one in Amsterdam uh, behind Central Station. And uh, so you have a beautiful uh, uh, boat cruise and you can eat as much pancakes as you like. So for sure, if you're with the family and children, I think that's the perfect way to do it. Uh, the Pannenkoek boat. And if you Google it, you'll, you'll, you'll find it. Uh, and there are a couple of them in Amsterdam. There's one, a very small one, and it was also uh, Anthony Boudin uh, visited the place, you know, so that's very famous, and it's in the red light district that's close to it. <laughs> uh, and quite often you have see these brown pubs we talked about earlier, uh, the Bruine Krug. Um, many of them nowadays have, you know, a small menu where you can eat, uh, and some of them also have pancakes on the menu, so that's also perfect to, to, to enjoy. Good advice. I would love to have a Panacoke on the water in Amsterdam. It seems quintessentially Dutch uh, way of enjoying them. Yes, yes. Another dish I wanted to ask you about, Taish, is called uh, Stampot. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about this uh, Dutch dish? Uh, yeah, so Stampot is uh, a couple of dishes. So actually, it's a way of preparing your food. It's not one specific dish. Uh, stampot to stamp means to 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 uh, to mash. Okay. Uh, so the central ideas are uh, potatoes. Uh, we 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 eat a lot of potatoes in the Netherlands. Think about Van Gogh. Eh? He already painted the uh, mm. <laughs> the potato eaters. The potato eaters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There you go. So uh, and this is the the the, the real the the, the the hardworking farmers' food from the 1800s and 1900s. Uh, where the farmers were working on the land, uh, you know, they had to work quickly because it's too cold outside. So if you want to have your meat or your, your meal, you want to have all in once, you know, without too much hustle. So you just mix it up. So a stumble could be, for example, mashed potatoes with um, a kale um, and then with a smoked sausage and uh, with a jus. So you know, very hearty, wintry, uh, solid, good food. Um, Another one very famously is with carrots. Um, then, and you have all kinds of other variations with endothy, uh, for example. So the central idea is just, you know, mashed potatoes mashed with a typical Dutch vegetable and a big piece of smoked sausage, uh, right next to it and a good, uh, jus to go. Um, and yeah, so that's the, the typical, yeah, uh, with a daily uh, homemade Dutch food. This seems like another good cold weather winter dish. Maybe we would enjoy it with a Bach, with a Bach beer. <laughs> um, yes, very good. I, yes, <laughs> you could be. <do> <laughs> I I never I never considered um, having potatoes with greens like kale or something like that until I visited Croatia. They have a dish called uh, blitva. Uh, and it, it, rather than the okay. potatoes being yeah, mashed, yeah. They, they dice them up and they boil them and then you add the greens in. So it's, this, it's a yes. similar idea. And now I love yes. having greens with my potatoes. It, yes. it adds such a nice uh, texture and an additional flavor it to it. It's a great idea. So I love that the stampot is part of the uh, Dutch cuisine. Oh, that is sauerkraut. That, that's a very famous one. Jugal is uh, a mashed potatoes with sauerkraut. That's, that's oh, that'd be good too. Yeah. yeah. When we talk about Holland, when we talk about the Netherlands, I think we have to talk about cheese. 
I remember visiting the mm-hmm. Netherlands and eating lots of really, really, really high quality cheese and all the uh, Dutch people enjoying cheese. Of course, uh, Gouda is maybe the most famous cheese yeah. to come out of the Netherlands, but there's a lot more, yeah. I'm sure. Um, tell me about the cheese culture in the Netherlands. Yes. Okay. So, well, obviously, it's, it's massive. <laughs> and uh, so, the, the, the hard cheese, that is, that is, you know, what used to be traditionally the Dutch cheese. Um, and Dutch cheese is a lot of times is named after the village where it has uh, been uh, traded after marketplace. So, if you take, for example, Gouda, I uh, use a Gouda, you say Gouda cheese, Gouda-style cheese. Gouda, then we, <laughs> then we go again. Um, so that was produced around the city of Gouda and then brought to the village and then, uh, that's where the cheese market used to be. So that's where it has its name from. Um, so the same goes, for example, people might uh, know the round, uh, the cannonball uh, red cheese from the Netherlands called Edam. Yes. So, so good. Edam cheese. So that, that is from the city of Edam, for example. Uh, then you have Alkmaar, which is north of Amsterdam, where you have uh, uh, loads of cheeses coming from there, Leiden, you name it. So that, that's a little bit how Dutch cheese is, you know, why it's named that way. Um, and Gouda Kaas, I have to tell you a story about it is actually, so it is, it's not produced in Gouda, but it's, it's, it's a type of cheese. And that's often, uh, if we have people on our tour that think, oh, Gouda is one flavor. No, it's not. There's a whole range of Gouda cheese. Uh, it has one characteristic, and how that uses very creamy, you know, has to do with the size and its fat percentage. So it's a style of cheese making rather than a particular flavor of, uh, of cheese. Um, and for the last 10 years or so, we are making really good soft cheese as well, blue cheese, uh, burrata, even mozzarella. Oh. Uh, you won't believe it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we would, so we have a, a very, Huge uh, cheese uh, making scene here in the in the Netherlands. Uh, well, I think that they can easily compete with the French and the Italian cheese makers, but I might be biased. You you might be, but that's okay because I <laughs> I'm here to say that uh, the Dutch make beautiful cheeses and uh, there's lots of it to choose from. I'm, I'm sure you can go to the grocery store and just buy cheese, but if we want to have a real Dutch experience, where should we go to buy our cheese? So you indeed, well, first of all, you have to know what type of cheese you need to buy. So actually, we have two varieties uh, in terms of quality. So we have the cheese that is pasteurized and is made in the factory uh, from all kinds of milk, from all kinds of farms, mixed together, uh, like to make like a, you know like a hamburger chain <laughs> producing type of cheese, always the same flavor whenever you wherever you are. Okay. I'm very sorry, but that's the cheese we export to you guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Americans so the, they won't know the difference. We're going to send them. Yeah, this. <laughs> well, you, uh, you also have to change a law because uh, you know you're not allowed to have raw milk cheese, I believe, over yes. there. Yes, yeah, that's um, true. And 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 the, the best quality Dutch cheese is made from raw milk, and it comes from one farm where it is um, um, organically made, and uh, there is a name for it. We call that Boerenkaas farmhouse cheese. So, and that is cheese that is produced under uh, uh, strict control. And like I said, it comes from one kind of farm only, and it is a raw milk cheese. 
Um, so it has way more flavor. So that's what you're looking for. Now, what you can do is you can go to a well, a good supermarket even, and you look for Boerenkaas, and then you already will have much better cheese than, I'm sorry, the most tourist shops in the city center try to sell you, like the big names. I won't name them here. Um, okay. Or you go uh, to uh, the delicatessen shops in, an, uh, in where, where the locals live, there's you eat a lot of bread and you like to have cheese with that and that's where you buy your uh, cheese so in general i would say stay out of the city center um, and go more to areas like the Jordan or the bath and uh, try to find a cheese shop over there uh, or the market obviously that's a good, a good place or go with uh, taish on a food tour and... yeah that's that's the best thing you can do <laughs> and he will take you yes, to absolutely. the best cheese in amsterdam absolutely uh, yeah you've got all the time to buy them and uh, <laughs> we have to help you out to uh, make your selection yes absolutely the Dutch were famous explorers and colonizers um, centuries ago, and because of that, a lot of the food from these colonies have made their way to uh, to Holland, to Amsterdam, to the Netherlands. Yeah. Let's let's yeah. talk a little bit about that because one thing, as as I was looking at your stuff, uh, you talked about a, a treat called a brigadeiro, which is from Brazil which is confusing to me because as a person who lives in Portugal, I know that Brazil was a Portuguese colony, not a Dutch colony. Can you talk a little bit about the Brigadeiro? Are there lots of Brazilian people in Amsterdam? Uh, yeah, so there, there, there are two ways to the story. So um, then we have to go back into history. Uh, yes, the Brigadeiro is Brazil, but before uh, Brazil, it was Portuguese. Huh? And uh, uh, we had a bit of a fight with the Portuguese in the 1500s, the 1600s, you might remember. Hmm. So... Uh, actually, the, the Dutch conquered quite a lot of uh, colonies from the Portuguese, uh, for example, in India, but also in uh, uh, Brazil, um, or Suriname, South America, for, uh, for example. So um, people tend to forget is that the Dutch had a huge uh, colonial empire in the 1600s, 1700s, New Amsterdam. South Africa, Indonesia, India, Taipei, you name it. It was all yeah, yeah. processed. Um, and obviously, yeah, uh, all these spices came uh, uh, here to the Netherlands and uh, were mixed with our, our food scene. Um, and the Brigadeiro is, 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 is a funny example for that because, yes, it's a Brazilian sweet shop, but they combine it with uh, stroopwafel. Oh, <laughs> cool. we already talked earlier about. And uh, because we only want to have, you know, the best quality, the best flavors on our tours, and uh, during week times, unfortunately, there's not a really good stroopwafel bakery in the Jordan, so we go to their place where they have this fantastic brigadeiro with a stroopwafel flavor, so we can enjoy the best of both worlds. Um, and we also uh, they have a fantastic variation with a hagelslag, and hagelslag or chocolate sprinkle. We try to market it in the United States. Some Dutch guys as Hegelsleek, <laughs> and uh, that is something the Dutch we we have we have a, we have a large uh, bread eating uh, culture. So our breakfast is open sandwiches with, with cheese or ham or chocolate on it, or Um So um, yeah, and then and you asked me about is there a huge Brazilian. Uh, Community in Amsterdam, yes, it was, it, it's not the, the largest one. The largest international communities would be the people from Indonesia and Suriname. And uh, nowadays, uh, from, since the 1970s, 
the Moroccan and the Turkish uh, people live here. Uh, just to remind you, we have 800,000 people living here in Amsterdam. So that's a small city, but we have over 182 nationalities. That's more than New York, for example. So um, you can basically find any kind of food you can find here in Amsterdam. I love the combination of the Brigadero and the Stroopwafel. Uh, this is something that I've talked about on the podcast before called transplanted cuisine. It's when something yeah. comes from a different place and it, when it comes to the new place, it maybe changes a little bit yes. um, to yes. suit the taste and the cuisine of the of the new place where it's landed. And this Brigadero mm-hmm. with a Stroopwafel seems like it would be a perfect example of that. Um, yes, do we, yes. Do we have any other cultures that have uh, brought stuff to uh, Amsterdam or to the Netherlands and maybe change things around, or maybe it stays the same? What what kind of other international things could we enjoy when we're in Amsterdam? So what, what we really is, is big here, obviously, is Indonesian and the Surinamese cuisine. Um, so Indonesia, well, obviously, yeah, it's, it's the country next to Australia, and Indonesia was Dutch for over 350 years. Um, and became independent in 1947, and since then a lot of people returned from Indonesia, and they started their Indonesian restaurants here in the Netherlands. Um, and there's one specific dish, or actually it's a range of dishes that is very popular to eat, and it's called the Rijstafel, and in English that would translate as rice table. I remember the rice table, so good. Ah, you had it, ah, perfect, perfect. So uh, you, you might remember all these dishes brought in one go to the table, um, and that was actually, it was a Dutch invention, uh, and it was to reflect, you know, the visitors to Indonesia, you know, look at this, this is such a big country and it's all out. We possess it. We serve you food from every possible region of Indonesia for you to try. Uh, but it's like a Dutch invented feast meal. So that's something you really should try when you are in Amsterdam. Um, and next to that, we have the Indonesian Surinamese cuisine. And Suriname, I have to explain to you, that's a country uh, in South America. It's uh, bordering Venezuela. And that was an important Dutch colony for more than 350 years, and it became independent in 1975. Um, and Suriname is actually where the Dutch had uh, their sugar plantations and, and, well, not a very favorable part of our history, the Dutch, we were a big slave traders as well. So the Dutch brought in many slaves from Africa to Suriname to work on the plantations. And after slavery, it was ended, the Dutch replaced them with cheap labor from China, India, Indonesia. Um, and they also brought their food scene to Suriname. So we have a very small country. And there's so many flavors over there. You have the Chinese influences, Indian, uh, Jewish influences, Spanish, French, Portuguese. Everybody has been there. Um, mm. And in 1975, Suriname became independent, and around 100,000 people from Suriname came to Amsterdam. Also, came to the Netherlands, and many of them to Amsterdam, and they started the beautiful Indonesian, Chinese, Surinamese uh, togos and takeaways and restaurants. So that's another thing you should really try um, when you are in Amsterdam. What would be an example of a Suriname dish? Because I'm not sure that I'm really familiar with Suriname cuisine. What would we look for? Well, I think there, and someone from Suriname will probably correct me, but uh, one particular dish is called the roti. Uh, roti is a um, uh, it's, it's like a pancake from, from India. 
uh, made from chick, uh, sorry, pea chick, no, chickpea, chickpeas, sorry, chickpea flour. Yeah, chickpeas flour. Yeah, there we go. Uh, and that is served with boiled potatoes, um, then with uh, some vegetables. Um, then you could have some salted fish, for example, to go with it, bacalhau, uh, former Portuguese. Portuguese, or, yes. Uh, blood sausage, which is Jewish, or uh, braised meat or chicken. Uh, it has green beans. It has loads of spices. Uh, so it's like a big Suriname stumble, you would almost say. Wow. Big plate of food, and it's all combined together. Uh, so that is a really Suriname comfort food. Uh, but also our satays. Yeah, satays are Asian, of course, but you have the Suriname style, which is a bit more often is chicken, and it comes with the satay sauce, which is sweeter than in Asia. That has to do with the fact that Suriname obviously had a lot of sugar uh, production um, and a lot of uh, bread, actually, with, with, with I know, uh, slow-roasted pork and uh, pickles. And yeah, it, it, it's... It's massive. Uh, so many to choose from. Taish, before I let you go, um, I don't think we can talk about Amsterdam without broaching the subject of marijuana. Back in the day, yes. um, you know, this was a, you know, all the hippies would talk about going to Amsterdam because you could, yeah. you could smoke weed. I remember as yeah. a very young man, I went to Amsterdam. I frequented the coffee shops. Um Yes. When, when we talk about coffee shops, we're not talking about a place where you go and you get an espresso. This is a place where you uh, <laughs> you can, but, yeah. <laughs> but you're you're there to you're there to buy marijuana, which you can which you can do in Correct. Amsterdam. But it's been a while since I've been to Amsterdam. What is this scene like now? Because it seems like worldwide marijuana has become more acceptable. It's legal in many states in the U.S. Correct. Uh, has this Correct. changed the outlook in Amsterdam about uh, marijuana and about its acceptance? Yes. Well, I think we already we talked about mass tourism in Amsterdam. Eh? And you might remember, I told you, okay, there are different angles to it. And sure, uh, sure. one of them is the soft drugs, the soft drugs policy and the coffee shops. So uh, what it used to be, you know, in the United States, something, you know, as something, okay, uh, hey, you're free to go there and, uh, it was for, for, for a few, it was for, for, for a kind of, of scene in Amsterdam. You know, it has now become part of our tourist culture. Um, and together with prostitution, uh, like we already talked about, that's what we start to feel more and more uncomfortable about, that we uh, mark ourselves as a city of, okay, where you can smoke and where you can go to the red light district, because there's so much more to it. Um, and also... Um, coffee shops or soft drugs is tolerated in the Netherlands. It's not legal. That's a mistake. It's tolerated. Um, so, um, and we, we, it, it has been tolerated because the Dutch thought, okay, if you bring it out in the open, you can see what goes behind the scene and you can control it and, you know, you can make sure it is safe. Uh, we are coming back from that perspective because it is not working. Um, and that's the weird thing because it's tolerated. The coffee shops are allowed to sell it, but they're not allowed to produce it, uh, to transport it, uh, or even to buy it. So how it ends up in a coffee shop, nobody knows. So the whole scene behind the growing of the cannabis is still very shady. And that's where we still have a lot of problems with criminality, uh, heavy criminality, actually, 
and some of the coffee shop owners um, who try to do an honest job, they're blackmailed uh, by some of the growers. They have to buy their harvest and not the one of the competitor. Uh, like a year or two years ago, it was a huge problem because the city of Amsterdam had a one-to-one measure that if uh, something happened to a coffee shop, like a shooting, it would be closed down immediately for three months, no questions asked. So what happened is a lot of coffee shops, they were in the night, somebody would pass by, shoot, uh, a, bu- uh, shoot a bullet through the window, and then it would be closed for the next month, or the next three months. But otherwise, buy our stuff, otherwise, you know, we'll do this to you. This is strictly mafia tactics, basically, you know, in- intimidation yes. And, yes. and violence to shut these places down. Yes, yes, yes. So um, just like I said, so the romantic view, the fun view we have about smoking and prostitution and coffee shops, uh, like I said, we that needs to be, you know, rebalanced. Uh, and so, for example, some of this, uh, some cities in the Netherlands are starting with a, uh, a test and that's grow grown marijuana. So, you know, we can control that as, uh, more as well. Um, so if, if I look at my own personal life, I really don't hardly know anyone who smokes, actually. Uh, it's, it's, it's mostly, you know, the tourists, the visitors who come here. It's a point of discussion. So is this becoming a, an issue where it's like, okay, these are all these tourists who are coming in. We see them as as maybe not the tourists themselves causing the problem, but because of this industry that's in sort of a gray area that's cropped up around it with the yeah. illegality of the marijuana crop that's coming in associated with perhaps organized crime, but criminals certainly. Um, are they thinking, well, maybe it's time that we shut down coffee shops altogether? Yes. Yeah, so, so actually, the, the huge discussion now is um, uh, to close both the red light districts and to bring back the amount of coffee shops in the city center of Amsterdam for uh, for sure. Um, like I said, again, it's all related again to the discussion about mass tourism in Amsterdam and also a better uh, uh, quality of tourism we're trying to achieve. And for some in Amsterdam prostitution and the coffee shops are part of that so that's what we want they want to bring back more uh to bring more high quality uh into what amsterdam has to offer and also the city center of amsterdam actually no one lives there anymore um so it has become uh one big tourist area and that's also what the city of amsterdam is trying to achieve uh literally they say give back the city center to the people of amsterdam Hmm. Okay. Um, uh, to me, there's sometimes a little bit of a populist yes. uh, sound to it. It does. It does. Um, and uh, like I said, there are many angles, and of course, um, I'm depending on a type of tourism, uh, but I also agree it should be a high quality tourism. But on the other hand, actually, what the city of Amsterdam is saying, we only want you to be here if you're rich. Ah, okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and how, how, in what way does that, you know, line up with the Amsterdam of the idea of Amsterdam being a liberal city where everybody is welcome? So, um, yeah, it's complex. It's complex. I think you laid it out perfectly, Taish, uh, that this is a complicated issue and there are many sides to the argument. And you come out and you, yes. and you say very openly, here are the different sides. I, I think that's a great yes. way of putting it. Um, yes. Thank yeah. you so much for being on the podcast. It's been interesting, entertaining, and enlightening. And 
makes me want to get back to uh, Amsterdam and sit down with you and have a waffle and a coffee and then yeah. ma- maybe a Stampot and a Bach, <laughs> and a Bach beer <laughs> in, a, like in, in, a nice, in a nice brown bar. <laughs> but, uh, it was an absolute pleasure to, to, be, uh, to be in your podcast, Brent. And yes, do come to Amsterdam and uh, we'll be happy to show you around to let you uh, uh, taste all the good sides of the city. So uh, that would be, would be fun. Thank you. Okay, there you go. I'll tell you, Taish is such a great guy, and I've got a link to Amsterdam Food Tours in the show notes at radiomisfits.com slash DED185. The thing I really like about Taish and all Dutch people, really, that I've met is their practicality and sensibility when it comes to making their city and country a better place. It's just refreshing to hear people look at a problem realize it's complex, and then try some solutions, maybe trying several solutions without dogmatic politicalization and name-calling. Are you listening to me, United States? Probably not. All right, then. Uh, That's it for this week. Until next week, get over to DestinationEatDrink.com. I just posted a story about reverse culture shock. If you're a regular listener to the show, you know I moved from the U.S. to Portugal, and recently I went back to the U.S. I had to take care of a little business there, and when being back in the U.S., I had a little bout of reverse culture shock. You know what culture shock is when you visit a place and you notice how things are done differently. Well, this was reverse culture shock. Get the full story at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and a guy who calls me Pancake whenever he hears the show, Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.